got busy. So that's what we want to do. Amen. But we love, he's not a stranger to this pulpit or to this church here tonight. Only come, obey the Lord. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit here tonight. God bless you, brother. Appreciate you. You're thankful for the presence of the Lord. Why don't you give him praise in the house? Uh, if you're thankful for the visitation, the operation of his spirit. Amen. What a great presence of the Lord that's in this house. And I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I will quickly go to the book of Judges chapter 15, Judges chapter number 15, and I will begin at verse number 14, and uh, as you're finding that, allow me to say that it is an honor to be back in the house of the Lord with this great congregation, and give honor to brother and sister Moore and their family, and give honor to all of you who are in the house of the Lord, amen, what a great crowd on a Sunday night. May not be long until you've got to do something about it. <clears throat> if we're going to have problems, we might as well have good problems. It's a good problem when you run out of room. Just make more room. That means the kingdom of the Lord is growing. And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Judges chapter 15 and verse number 14, and I appreciate all the help up here. This is my, I think, ninth time to preach since last Sunday. And so I appreciate all the help. But Judges chapter 15, and verse 14, the Bible says, And when he, speaking of Samson, came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone, and he put forth his hand and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And when he had took that, the Bible says, Samson says, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone I have slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand. And called that place Ramoth-Lehi. And he was sore athirst. And called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst. And fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. You're talking about one end of the pendulum to the next in one verse. Because when the verse begins, he's thanking the Lord for this great deliverance. You've given me the victory we just sang about. You brought me through the battle. But in the same verse, Samson fears death because of the toll that battle took on him. But God, verse 19 says, clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. And there came water thereout, and what he had drunk... His spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof in Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. 
And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. I want to talk to you about something that I feel very strongly about this evening. And I know that you know that we serve a God who finishes what he starts. He is author and finisher of our faith. He is first and last, Alpha Omega. And I believe, Brother Moore, what the Lord has started in the Spirit in this house, He's going to finish it. Not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I believe that this evening. And so for a few moments tonight, I, I don't want to out-preach the Holy Ghost, but I do want the Holy Ghost to talk to us. And so I want to preach to you this evening on the subject, Springs of the Caller. Springs of the caller. Why don't we one more time lift our hands before we're seated. And as we lift our hands, why don't we join our voices once again and ask the Spirit of the Lord that we feel in this house to continue to move in this house. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Let's just continue to talk to the Lord for a moment. God, I pray every weary heart and every weary soul in this house would leave this house renewed, would leave this house refreshed in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. And Why don't you one more time give the Lord a great hand clap of praise all over the house. And you may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. The Battle of Hamburger Hill, it was a battle that stretched for seven days from May the 13th until May the 20th, 1969. It was fought by the U.S. Army and Army of the Republic of Vietnam Forces against People's Army of Vietnam during Operation Apache Snow. The Battle of San Juan Hill, this was a major battle of the Spanish-American War that was fought on July the 1st, 1898, and it proved to be one of the most significant battles of that very war. The Battle of Bunker Hill, it was fought on June the 17th, 1775, during the Siege of Boston in the early stages of the American Revolutionary War. And while we know it today as the Battle of Bunker Hill, the majority of combat actually took place on an adjacent hill, which would later become known as Breed's Hill. You see, throughout history, at least 20 battles have been fought on a hill, and then those battles were named after the very hill they fought on. And so it is, even within the parameters of our text this evening, when you begin to study Judges chapter 15, you find out that it's often referred to by a lot of theologians and commentaries as Samson's Revenge. The chapter opens by informing us that it's the time of harvest. It is the time of wheat harvest and Samson has returned to visit his wife after an extended period of absence. But when Samson arrives, he finds out that during his absence... His father-in-law has given away his wife to another man. And so in response, Samson catches 300 foxes, 
sets their tails on fire and then releases those foxes. Uh, and they proceed to burn both the sheaves of corn uh, and the fields of corn which belong to the Philistines. Uh, the Philistines in return blame Samson's wife along uh, with her family and they proceed to burn both her uh, and her father alive. And again, uh, Samson vows vengeance and revenge because the Bible says uh, he slaughters the Philistines. In fact, verse number 8 says he smote them hip and thigh uh, with a great slaughter. Uh, that term or that phrase, smote them hip and thigh, gives us uh, the understanding that this is an expression for a cruel, unrelenting, and unsparing uh, slaughter he began to pour out on those people. Uh, in other words, Samson showed no mercy to the Philistines uh, for what they had just done to his wife and father-in-law. Uh, and this act of violence is so severe that now the tribe of Judah feels like they need to get involved. And the Bible tells us that the tribe of Judah sends 3,000 men to arrest one man, Samson. The reason why the tribe of Judah felt like they needed to get involved in this scenario is because at this particular time, they were under the oppression and the control and the rule of the Philistine people. And so the tribe of Judah would rather please their oppressors than support their deliverer, Samson. And so they send 3,000 men, Brother Troy, to arrest one man, Samson. Now, I don't know how you read that, but that's humorous to me when I read it. Because here goes 3,000 men of war asking one man permission to arrest him. And when Samson gives them permission to take him into custody... The Bible says that the Philistines begin to shout against him. They begin to berate him. But it's in that moment that the Spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon Samson. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax, burnt with fire. And even the bands that were on his hands fell off to the ground. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Samson once again begins to find himself in a fight with the Philistines. Remember, he's already fought them once before uh, because just six verses earlier in verse number eight, uh, he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Uh, but now six verses later, uh, just a few hours later, he finds himself uh, in a different battle with the same enemy. Uh, but it's in the midst of this great conflict, uh, it's in the midst of this great battle uh, that Samson finds a new jawbone. Uh, and the Bible says he put forth his hand and took it, uh, and begin to slay a thousand men with that jawbone. Uh, in fact, Samson himself says, uh, heaps upon heaps, uh, with the jawbone I have slain a thousand men. Uh, and can I pause and tell this congregation uh, that in that moment when Samson killed a thousand Philistines, uh, it was something prophetic uh, that was being fulfilled in the Scripture. Uh, because all the way back in Deuteronomy and the law, uh, Moses begins to sing prophetically and Moses says one is going to chase a thousand and two is going to put ten thousand to flight except their rocks sold them and the Lord had shut them up for their rock is not like our rock in 
fact, Joshua reiterates this very thing. When Joshua prophesies and said, there's a day coming when one is going to chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the only reason why one man could chase a thousand, the only reason why one man, Samson, could destroy a thousand Philistines is because their rock isn't like our rock. Samson was outnumbered a thousand to one. The odds were not in his favor. In fact, the odds were stacked against him. But aren't you thankful that if God be for you, who can be against you? Can I tell somebody on a Sunday night, uh, you may feel like you're in that battle by yourself. Uh, you may feel like you're alone uh, and everybody else has walked away. Uh, but if God is with you, uh, if God is fighting for you, uh, everything is going to be all right. Because God is always equal to the majority. If God be for you, it doesn't matter who or what may come against you. The Bible says when it came to pass, when Samson made an end of speaking, he cast away the jawbone out of his hand. And he called that place Ramoth-Lehi. The place where God just gave him the victory. Samson calls it Ramoth-Lehi. Now that's interesting because in verse 14, the Bible only calls it Lehi. But now in verse number 17... Samson calls it Ramoth-Lehi. And that term Ramoth-Lehi could literally mean the heel of the jawbone. You see, just like in American history, the same thing plays out in biblical history because battles would be fought on a heel and then that heel would be named after the battle that was just fought on that heel. And so it is in Judges 15 because in verse 14, it's only Lehi. But in verse 17, it's Ramoth Lehi and so the very place this battle unfolded the very location where Samson had victory over a thousand enemies could literally be called the battle of Jawbone Hill it was a very significant moment in the life of this man Samson Samson looks at it and says this place is Ramoth Lehi it may just be Lehi to everybody else. But to me, it's Ramoth Lehi. You may just see an elevated place, but that's where God gave me the victory. It may just be a heel to everybody else who passes by, but Samson understand it means a whole lot more to me than it does to you because that's a heel I fought on and that's a heel where God gave me the victory and that my Holy Ghost. Samson understood. It may be insignificant to you. It may not mean much to you. But to me, it's got a lot of significance. It's Ramothly high because that is the place in my life where God gave me the victory. And I'm preaching to people under the sound of my voice uh, who too, like Samson, uh, you all have significant victories uh, in your past. Uh, I'm talking about those signature victories. Uh, I'm talking about those moments in your yesterday uh, that stand out above the rest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it was a victory. Uh, we remember Samson for. Uh, and there's men and women in this room. Uh, you too have victories. Uh, you too have battles that God has brought you through. Uh, and when you look back over your shoulder uh, and you begin 
begin to remember what God done, some of those just mean more than others. The odds were not in your favor. The situation looked bleak. People never expected you to make it, but you're still here. You probably wondered at time or two, how am I going to make it? But you're in the house of God tonight. When you think of where you could be tonight, and you realize where you are right now, there's just some victories in your past that mean more than others. And just like Samson, we can look at those moments. We can look at those hills and say, that's where God done it. That's where God answered. That's where God came through. It may just be Lehi to you, but it's Ramoth Lehi to Samson. That's the hill where God gave me victory. That is a moment in my life where God showed his mighty hand. Samson is a legend of war in the Bible. I mean, his resume is second to none. This is a man who kills a lion with his bare hands. In fact, the Bible says he tore him to pieces like a child. This is a man who kills a thousand Philistines with a jawbone, rips gates off of the enemy city walls and carries them away on his shoulders. He pulls apart pillars moments before he dies and he kills more in the end than he did all throughout his life. His resume is second to none. And, we read, and when we read about Samson, when we talk about Samson, when we preach about Samson, it's very easy to look at all the accomplishments and forget about the fact that at the end of the day, Samson was still human. Samson, as great of a warrior as he was, was still mortal. And because he's flesh and blood, Samson got weary from time to time. You see, this is where you and I come into the conversation of Judges 15. Because can I submit to you that just like Samson, everybody under the sound of my voice, we all are human. And because we're human, we get weary as well. And because we're human, we get tired from time to time. And because we're weary and human, we get fatigued. Can I tell everybody in this room that it's possible to be just like Samson? We can be faithful and still get fatigued. We can pray with the best of them uh, and still get tired. Uh, we can fast every week uh, and still get spiritually drained. Uh, we can praise and worship with the best of them uh, and still leave the house exhausted. Uh, we can come to church every Sunday and Wednesday, uh, every revival service uh, and even though we're faithful you can still feel empty because just like Samson we're all human. You see, Judges 15 is spiritually significant to everybody in this room. Because just like that man I'm preaching about, we can go through battle after battle. We can go through fight after fight. And even though we win those battles, even though we're victorious in those battles, we then find ourselves weary from what we just went through. Samson won. I mean, I can't stress that point enough. In fact, he wasn't just victorious once in Judges 15. He was victorious twice. 
Verse number 8, he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Verse number 14, heaps upon heaps. Uh, with a jawbone, I've slain a thousand men. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Samson won. Uh, it wasn't like he went one for two. Uh, he was two for two. Uh, he was victorious twice over the same enemy. Uh, and I don't know how long that battle lasted. Uh, I mean, how long does it take one man to kill a thousand? I know Samson's a bad boy. I know he rips gates off city walls, and I know he can tear a line to pieces, but the thousand men that were sent to take Samson were not scrubs by any means. I promise you the Philistines did not send in the B team to go get Samson. In fact, I've read one commentary suggested that the thousand men who were sent to get a hold of Samson that day were the thousand greatest warriors the Philistine militia had at their disposal. They were men of war. They knew how to fight. They knew how to kill. They were skilled just like Samson was. However long that battle lasted, I can tell you that it was a long, hard, vicious, drawn-out fight. Because, ladies and gentlemen, when the fight was over uh, when the battle had concluded uh, when Samson killed the final one he drops the jawbone now he's got to deal with the ramifications of the battle God just brought him through this is why verse number 18 is so vital what I'm going to talk about this evening the battle's come and gone the fight is over there's a thousand men littering the battlefield around Samson on that hill. And verse number 18 says this victorious man, the Bible says he was sore athirst. And says, Lord, you've given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. But now am I going to die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Ladies and gentlemen, when you understand the brevity of what just happened in verse 18, you're going to understand my point this evening. Because in the beginning, Samson is victorious. Samson is thanking God for bringing him through that battle. He's given God praise for another victory over the enemy. But in that same prayer service, in that same worship service, in the same verse, he goes from thanking God for a victory to wondering if he's going to die because of the exhaustion that he feels remember it's the time of harvest it is hot it's weird. It's dreary outside there's no water to be found and Samson finds himself caught between victory and death I was reading this some time ago brother Moore when I begin to read these verses it's like the light bulb came on and the Lord began to download in my spirit what I'm preaching to you tonight because the fact is we always want to preach about the battle. And we always want to preach about the victory. We did just a few moments ago. We're going to see a victory because the battle belongs to Him. We love to talk about the battle because He leads us through. We love to talk about the victory because He makes us victorious. I mean, my Bible says the Lord our God is going to go with us and fight for us. I mean, Romans tells us who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword. The question is asked, what's going to separate us from the love of God? And He goes on to say, for thy sake, 
sake. We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But here comes the thread of hope. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. We love what Paul told the Ephesian church when Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We love what Paul told the Corinthian church when he said, But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We love to talk about the battle because he's going to lead us through. We love to preach about the victory because we are a victorious people. Can I remind everybody in this room, you'll never go through a battle by yourself. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they're going to comfort me. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me. You're not in any battle by yourself. It doesn't matter how many enemies are surrounded you. I've come to tell you, why don't you open your eyes? Because they that are be with us are more than they that are against us. We love to preach about the battle because he's with us. And we love to preach about the victory because we are victorious. I'm not preaching to some second rate child of God in this house. You're victorious. You are a victorious people. But it was then that I realized we never talk about what happens after the battle's over and the fight's been won. We never take the time to deal with the fallout of those very battles. Just because you win the war doesn't mean you come out of that war unscathed. Oh, I'm preaching to victorious people and I could spend the rest of my time preaching that fact right now. We're victorious. We haven't gotten to where we are in God without some sort of a fight. We haven't gotten to where we are in God tonight without some sort of opposition and some sort of spiritual adversity. But you ought to take consolation in the fact that regardless of everything I've been through, regardless of every battle and every trial that I've had to walk through, I'm in the house of God tonight. And because I'm in the house of God, I'm victorious. You may have drug your way in this house, but if you're in the house of God, you're victorious. If you're in the presence of God, you're victorious. We are a victorious body. But even though I'm talking to victorious people, I'm also talking to wounded people. I'm also talking to weary people. Because it's possible to be victorious and weary at the same time. It's possible to be victorious and wounded at the same time. Jesus going to the cross proves my point. He won the battle of the ages. The moment he shed his blood and said, it is finished. Not I am finished. It is finished. Everything I set out to do from the fall in the garden until now, it has been accomplished. I've done it. This is why Paul says 
that he spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Paul is saying that when Jesus died at Calvary, when Jesus gave up the ghost, when he said, it is finished or it is accomplished, Paul is saying in that moment, all of hell's authority and all of hell's power was transferred into the hand of the one that just died on that cross. That's why Jesus went to death and hell and knocked on the door and said, give me the keys. Because he won the battle. He won the battle. And because he died, you and I can have life and life more abundantly. It was through the death of the cross that you and I have victory. It is the greatest symbol of victory ever. Paul said, the princes of this world knew what they were doing. They would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, if they knew what he was going to be after the cross. If they knew what he was going to have after the crucifixion. That's why the Bible says for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame you know what the joy is I'm looking at it right now you're the reason why he endured the cross you're the reason why he despised the shame he said on the other side of this cross I'm going to have a church on the other side of this agony I'm going to have a body and Paul says if they knew what they were doing they'd have never killed him Ah, but just because he won the battle, he still is betrayed. He still has a crown of thorns pressed on his brow. He still is spit upon and berated and mocked and ridiculed. He still has a heavy beam put on his shoulders to carry up that hill. He still has nails driven in his hands and feet. There's still a spear plunged into his side. He dies three days. Just as Jonah was in the heart of the earth, the Son of Man was dead three days. Thomas, look at my hands and behold my side. Jesus is simply telling Thomas, I'm victorious. But I've got some wounds to show you what I had to go through to be victorious. Ladies and gentlemen, I am preaching to a victorious victorious church in this room. I am preaching to victorious people under the sound of my voice. But can I tell you, it is possible to be victorious and still be weary and wounded and tired and worn out. We always talk about the battle and the victory, but we never talk about how we feel after the victory is over. Can I tell you that Samson is at that place. He's victorious, but he's still at death's door. It's in that moment something supernatural begins to occur, Brother Moore. It was in that moment of his weariness. It was in that moment of his fatigueness and tiredness and even possibly collapsing that Samson does what only Samson knows to do. The Bible says he calls out and the Bible says God hears him and then God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw and there came out water there out and when Samson had drunk his spirit came again and he revived and he called the name of that place in Hakor, which is still there till this day this is where my title comes from in Hakor, the place where Samson cried out 
In Hakor, the place where the water began to flow. In Hakor, the place where Samson drunk and his spirit revived and his spirit came again. In Hakor literally means a fountain or springs of the one calling or it means springs of the caller. Can I tell everybody in this room that Samson gives us the blueprint. When we get tired and we get weary, all we've got to do is open our mouth and cry out because there's a God in heaven whose ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. And if he hears somebody crying out, there's about to be water. There's about to be springs. There's about to be a well. Boy, let me preach this the way I feel it. It's often been believed that the water Samson drank, because the Bible says God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. It's been often believed that the water was in the jawbone. Anybody ever heard that besides me? It's been often believed that God clave a hollow place that was in the jawbone and put water in the jawbone. But I started looking at that. Remember, Samson's fighting on a hill. Samson's fighting in Ramoth Lehi. It means a hill of the jawbone. And so when the Bible says God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, it literally means that God clave a hollow place in Lehi. God began to dig out a hole on the side of that hill. God didn't feel the jawbone Samson held, but there was a spring of water that began to flow from that very hill because the two words hollow place means a mortar or a basin of water. It means a well springing up or a well that's being able to be drawn from because on that hill on Jawbone Hill the very place where God gave him the victory that was the very place where the springs began to flow and can I tell some people in this room in spite of everything you've been through in spite of all the heartache in spite of all the disappointment you're still here thank God you're victorious but can we take it a step further it's not enough to be victorious there's got to be a moment of renewing don't be boy I'm going to mess with you but don't be satisfied just being victorious because after the victory Samson in the very place I gave you victory there's a well ready to start flowing there's a spring that I'm ready to start activating. Ladies and gentlemen, how many times are we victorious and we give testimony after testimony of everything God led us through and the victories God's given us, but we're still weary and we're still tired and we're still exhausted. If that's you tonight, the Bible's got the answer for you because God sent me to tell you that He sends the springs. He sends the water. There is a well in this house that'll begin to roll and begin to flow if somebody understands that in the very place I have victory is the very place God gives me the water. I'm glad that God didn't take that jawbone and fill that jawbone up with water. I mean, how much water can a jawbone hold? I think the Lord, in fact, I know the Lord was smart enough to know that if I just fill up that jawbone, you're going to be thirsty in an hour. Water's going to be gone. I'm glad God didn't fill up that jawbone. But I'm glad that God said, I got a spring, Samson, you can come to and drink.
Because you can drink from it today. And if you get weary three months from now, the springs are still going to be there. If you get wore out six months from now, the well is still going to be accessible. That's why the Bible says it is still there until this day. Because God was wanting us to know when I get weary and I get tired and I feel like I can't make another service, there's a well I can go to. There's springs. There's springs of water in this house that I can begin to draw from. And I may have walked in weary, but I'm going to leave encouraged. I may have walked in dragging, but I'm going to leave with my head held high because God sends the springs. We understand that water in the Bible represents God's Spirit. And I've come to tell somebody, why don't you just let the Spirit of God move in this house? Why don't you let the water start flowing to where you are? I feel some weary people in this house this evening. But I've come to tell you that there's a God in this room who wants to renew your strength. There's a God in this house. He wants to revive you, sir. He wants to revive you, ma'am. Judges 15 is powerful because it's a double miracle. God didn't just give Samson the victory. He gave Samson a renewing. I don't want to just be victorious. I want God to renew me. I want God to refresh me because what good is a victory if I drag myself to service after service same place God gives you the victory Samson is the same place the water starts flowing he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength the youths are going to faint and be weary the Bible says and the young men shall utterly fail they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait doesn't mean to sit down on a park bench and wait for your wife to stop shopping. It says they that wait upon the Lord. It's the same word that we use when we go to a restaurant and we have a waiter uh, that waits on us. Uh, in other words, the prophet is telling us uh, when you're tired and weary, uh, it's not time to check out a service. Uh, when you feel like you can't make it, uh, it's not time to stay at home. Uh, but they that wait upon the Lord, uh, they that just keep worshiping, uh, they that just keep praising, uh, you're going to renew your strength. Uh, you're going to run and not be weary. Uh, you're going to walk and not faint. Even Jesus, according to the Bible, got weary. John chapter 4, I'm glad he included it because it gives me hope. It ought to give you hope. John chapter 4 says these words Jesus, being wearied with his journey. That gives us the understanding that Jesus is on the right road, doing the right thing, going in the right direction. It is possible to be doing the right thing on the right road, going in the right direction and still get weary. Anybody know what it's like to just live life? And life has a way of just taking the wind out of you. <laughs> I tell people all the time that blame the devil for everything. I don't need the devil to get weary. Just live life. I mean, just live life a few years and you'll find out, boy, the devil's a distant memory. Because life has a way of just making it. You can be faithful. Church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every revival service, every prayer meeting. You can be 
on your journey just like Jesus. Doing the right thing. And life has a way of making you weary. But I'm thankful when Jesus got weary, he showed us where to go. Because the Bible says Jesus sat down at Jacob's well. What do I do when I get weary? It's very simple. Go back to the well. What do I do when life is overwhelming me? It's very simple. Call out for the springs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Jesus said on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried that if any man thirst, let him drink of me. Because he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But thus he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But I've got good news to tell Bendale. The Holy Ghost has been given, and Jesus has been glorified. And if any man thirst, if any woman thirst, if any young person thirst, there's a well in this house that you can draw from because if any man be weary and heavy laden you can come unto me and I will give you rest don't be weary in well doing for in due season in time you're going to reap if you faint not can I tell somebody in this room there's a day coming when well doing is going to turn into well done And the space that we've got to deal with is between the well-doing and the well-done. Because between the well-doing and the well-done, there's going to be moments of weariness. There's going to be moments when you're burnt out. There's going to be moments when it's hard to sing and play and come to church. But it's in that moment. You've just got to get back to the well. And I've come to tell some people in this room, that well is in this house. Those waters are ready to flow in this house. If somebody would recognize, all I've got to do is call. And the springs begin to flow. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. For this is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to find rest and this is the refreshing. What is the this he's talking about? This that he's talking about is the stammering lips and another tongue. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. He said there's a day coming when the wind's going to blow and the fire's going to fall. And there's going to be some weary people in that upper room. And there's going to be a rest that falls on them. I know it's going to be like cloven tongues like as a fire. I know it's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. But there's also a divine rest that comes with the Holy Ghost. There is a divine refreshing that comes when the Spirit of God moves on an individual. Ladies and gentlemen, life has a way of taking our breath away. But I'm glad Peter and John told us, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times, more than once, times, plural, of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that God gave us the Holy Ghost to be more than just a one-time occurrence. I was preaching in Indiana several years ago and I got finished preaching. An elder man, probably 75 years old, was in the altar throwing his hands up. I mean, getting after it, talking in tongues. He got his composure when he came up to me by the morning and said, that's the first time I've talked in tongues since I was 18 years old. 
He said, I've been missing out on this all of these years. Can I tell you, I'm thankful that the wind blew the first time. But the wind can blow a second time. And the wind can blow a third time. And the wind can blow a 50th time. And a wind can blow a 500th time. I think that's why Paul said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all. It's not that I'm spiritual, but it's because there's a rest that comes. When I get in the presence of God, I've come to tell somebody God is about to send a refreshing in this room. There's about to be a wind that blows. There's somebody in this room that's about to get a recovery of breath because there's going to be a time of refreshing that falls. That word refreshing in Acts 3.19 literally means revival or a recovery of breath. Revival means to make alive again. Refreshing means you've got to go back to the well from time to time. and You've got to let the wind blow in your life. The Bible says Samson cried out, God clave a hollow place. The water began to flow. He began to drink and his spirit revived. One translation says that when he drank, his wind came back or he got his second wind. Or Samson kept on living. We don't have to live our life always fatigued and tired. Not just physically, mentally and emotionally. Spiritually, aren't you thankful that you can get in the presence of God and you can get your second wind? See, here's the thing about the enemy, and, I, and I'm hastening to a close, but here's the thing about the enemy Samson fought. He fought them twice in six verses. Now, I don't know how many hours or days those six verses cover. I just know in a span of six verses, he fights the same enemy twice. Maybe in the same day. My point is this. He already smote them hip and thigh once. I mean, he was already unrelenting the first time. No mercy shown. Butchered them. But now six verses later, here comes a thousand more. Now this is the way my brain works. If 3,000 men from the tribe of Judah had to get permission to arrest Samson, I don't think cutting that down to a thousand is going to help you much. You with me? I mean, Judah's under the control of the Philistines, and so they send 3,000 to get permission. Now they're sending 1,000 of their own. I just can't help but think that when those 1,000 men begin to walk away from their tents, their homes, wherever they were leaving, they had to know in the back of their mind, I'm probably dying today. I mean, if 3,000 had to get permission, I know we're a bad boys, but our chances aren't very good. I think they knew we're going to die on that hill. So the enemy knows they have no shot. In fact, this is why Delilah later asked the question, you've got to tell me where your strength comes from. I mean, we've tried and tried and tried and to no avail. Here's the thing about the enemy. He knows he has no power and authority over a child of God. But... Even though he knows that, if he can't defeat you, he's going to keep constantly fighting you to wear you out. 
to the point that you eventually willingly quit. In verse 8, he smote them hip and thigh. In verse 14, heaps upon heaps. The enemy understands that if I can't defeat you, I'll just keep fighting you to wear you down. This is why the prophet Daniel says in the last days, the spirit of Antichrist is going to be at work. And he's going to look to change the times and the seasons and he's going to try to wear out the saints. Anybody know what it's like to wake up and either think it or say it? And it's always something else. You get over one thing and here comes something else. You figure that out, here comes something else. Can I tell you, it's usually not the big battles that take an individual out. But it's the constant, perpetual, everyday grind that wears us down. It's not death by a thousand cuts. It's, or it's not death by a cut, it's death by a thousand cuts. Because it's continual. It's every day. The Bible says Samson realized if I'm going to have to keep fighting, I can't fight weary and fatigued. There's got to be a moment of reviving. The water began to flow. He drank. His spirit came again. And the Bible says when his spirit came again, he began to judge in the days of the Philistines 20 years. When Samson's spirit came again, he didn't just exist. He didn't just go to service after service and sit on the pew and do nothing. The Bible says when the renewing came, he judged. He had a purpose. He was valuable in the kingdom of God. But when God got ready to make him a judge, and this is what I really love, and they can come to the piano if they would like, when God got ready to make Samson a judge, he said, Samson, I'm glad that you're not satisfied just getting your renewing. Now you want to do something. So I'm not going to let you judge in the land of Israel. You're going to judge in the land of the Philistines. And that's just like God. The same enemy that's been fighting you day after day. The same enemy that's been trying to wear you down and grind you down, that's going to be the enemy that you rule over in their land. God said, Samson, I'm going to give you power, dominion, and authority to rule over the very adversary that's been trying to wear you down. And as we lift our hands all over this house, Oh, there can be a wind that blows in this room in the next five to ten minutes. Oh, there ought to be some people right now where you're sitting before we ever even transition. You ought to begin to just call out to the Lord. Every one of us from time to time we all are going to find ourselves in the same place Samson was. Ah, but there can be a water, a well, a spring that begins to flow. Come on, I wonder right now as we stand all over this room and continue to lift our hands, if you want to step out and come stand around the front, if you want to stay in your pew, 
I'm telling you, there's a well in this house that somebody can begin to draw from. Therefore, with joy shall you draw from the wells of salvation. Come on, I know the Holy Ghost has already moved once, but let's let the water flow one more time. This can be one of those times of refreshing that somebody needs in the presence of the Lord. Come on, you may have walked in this house worn out and weary and tired, but there can be a rest that falls in this room. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Why don't you call for the springs right now? Don't just be satisfied with the victory. There's got to be a renewing and a refreshing that comes. Because there will be a day that comes when the Philistines come back. And Samson, you've got to be renewed and revived to fight again. Come on, why don't you grab somebody by the hand or put your arm around somebody's shoulder. Let's pray right now one for another. Ah, there's weariness that can leave this house. Lord, I pray for every individual in this room. There'd be a renewing, a restoring, a reviving. Let those waters begin to flow. Just one moment in His presence can change everything. Come on, Samson, you got to drink from the well because there's still work to do. Come on, Samson, you got to drink from the well because there's still things to do in the kingdom. You're not effective if you're weary. You're not effective if you feel like you're about to give up. Start drinking.
Let's give thanks to the Lord here tonight. Ah, mama. There's nothing can take the place of that refreshing touch that comes from none other but Jesus Christ Himself. That time that maybe you come to the house of God in a service time, or maybe, maybe you just came on your own and you come to talk to God, and and He was here and He touched you with that special touch, or you maybe allowed that individual to sing that song all of a sudden just seemingly out of nowhere and that song had the lyrics that penetrated your heart and had the words that you needed to hear and opened the chambers of your heart and your spirit and allow him to just renew you and refresh you you're not going to die here you're not going to die here no I'm going to strengthen you I'm going to refresh you I'm going to give you what you need, amen, to be victorious and overcomer. It's God's will. It's God's will. Amen. And weariness is something we got to deal with in this world we're living in today. You know what? Energy drinks and all types of different things. Who'd ever dreamed 30 years ago that it'd be so much like power aid and Gatorade and all these other things and what it's, what it's about? Amen. Reviving, strengthening. Man, this body, man, refreshing it so you can carry on, so you can march on. But it's nothing like in the presence of God and the touch of Jesus. It can be in a service just like this tonight. Or it can be a time maybe you're just all by yourself. But he shows up. And he shows up, amen, to a visitation and a touch. Nobody can visit us and touch us like he can. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Sanford, for the Word of God in this place tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. What's going to soak up the the refreshing? What's going to joy that comes? He that is thirsty. It's amazing how long a rain doesn't seem to last as it used to. It don't take long for this, this old earth to get dry again. You can have a week or two of rain, but it don't take too many days after it. Things begin to wither away. Dust begins to show back up. Don't take long getting on that old mower and get out there mowing. And man, it just chokes you down. We need this refreshing every day, every day, amen, to keep us revived and help us to walk in the powers of his love and grace, amen. We're so thankful tonight, amen, we got a special guest with us tonight. He's not really a guest, he's a part of this church. I don't know if Brother Braden, you or Sister Susanna Vaughn, which going to introduce him to us tonight? All right, Daddy.
All right. He got here late. He's following daddy. I got a lot of witnesses in the house that'll back me up on that one. <laughs> hey, oh Lord have mercy. I won't say nothing else. I'll leave it alone there. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's so good to see him. Good to see the family back. God bless you tonight. Let's give him a good hand. God bless him. Amen. Birthdays. Birthdays tonight. Amen. I know there's some birthdays that once got it today. Today is the day. Amen. All right. Come on, Remy. Give both of them a good hand tonight. Praise God. All right. No anniversaries, am I right? Okay. Love and appreciate you tonight. Let's stand together. Let's don't forget service. Amen. Wednesday night. Tithes and offerings. Let's don't forget about those. This papers that's been sent out. If you took, amen, the family's names. If you can, let's try to have them turned in by Wednesday night. By Wednesday night, that way we can start setting this up. Amen. Tell you a little bit about what's going to be going on as we pray for the individuals. Man, to see the power of God to move upon their lives. Okay? We're going to join together and do that. All right? Love you and appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.